Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Hey, welcome into episode 21 of season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I am half of your host team, JT, along with Tom. Tom, how's it going? It's going great. And if I've never told you this before, I'm going to tell you this now. I always appreciate the way you do a countdown before we start the podcast. That's completely unnecessary. It's me and you just sitting here talking, but every time you count it down to one and then we start, and I love that part of it. It's exciting. It gets the butterflies in the stomach, doesn't it? <laughs> Let me tell you what gets the butterflies in the stomach, as I've talked about here on this very podcast, when I did the radio show last year, because Tom will edit this out, I started off with welcome into season, uh, or episode 21 of season three of I'm Not Targeted, I just kind of fumbled on my words, so I'm like, hey, let's do that again. And I recounted, which Tom was talking about, and I, I, I nailed it, dude. Nailed it. But <laughs> live radio, brother, when that red light comes on, it is a, it's a different animal. So I that's bet. why I don't do it anymore. But all right, you've already <laughs> said you've got a lot to talk about. So uh, let's let's jump right into the commentary. Then we'll – hey, we're down to the nitty-gritty, man. We've got Cotton Bowl and Orange Bowl to discuss, and then the national title game. So – yeah, it's Take crazy. It it's crazy. And I know we've got a lot to say about the games that, that, that played in the upcoming national title game. But just as an aside, um, you know, I've, there's a lot of scuttlebutt during bowl season, particularly over the last several years. And what do you usually hear about it? Uh, too many bowls, watered-down bowls. Even Saban has kind of went into a – uh, several interviews going, you know, the playoffs will uh, create a lack of importance or lack of interest in the other bowls. I'm sure you've heard that. Oh, yeah. Um, I got to looking this year at the attendance on a lot of the bowls. And just on the New Year's Day bowls, and I'm, you know, I didn't go back and look at uh, all the – all the Big Night Bowls and the the uh, Hardee's Bowls and whatever else they want to call them. But I, I did look at the New Year's Day Bowls. And uh, Outback Bowl, 71% capacity. Camping World, 78% capacity. Sugar Bowl, 91. Rose Bowl, 99. Outside of the New Year's Day Bowls, I had Central Florida, Florida, 97%. Auburn, Houston, 100% capacity. That was 47,000 at UAB Stadium, but it's 100%. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, 76%. Georgia-Michigan playoff game, 100%. 
Only 66,000. Bama, Cincinnati. You want to take a stab at that? You were that at that game. How many people – well, you might have heard the attendance. I did not, but I'm, I'm going to say less than 100. I'll, I'll say 95%. Do you know how big that stadium is? Uh, right, right at 100, I think. It, it is 100 on the nose. They have it listed as 76,000 in attendance. Jeez, did yeah. it look that small? Uh, not really. Apparently but not, guess... if you guess 95. I guess well, and we were we sat low, and I just didn't take a, a humble brag. Long, yep, for sure. I didn't take a look around enough, but I'll tell you this: there was an, you know there were empty seats, as like a pair of empty seats in front of me, and then maybe a couple of empty seats here and there. And when you when you have boy, seventy six is hard to believe because I feel like at seventy six you're going to see some gaps, mm-hmm. and I just didn't really see any gaps. Like, but like I said, the four hundred level is way up there, and I. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to Cowboy Stadium or not. If you're going to sit in the 400 level, don't go. Because all you're going to do is watch the big screen the entire time anyway. Just watch it at home unless you get given a ticket or unless you just want to, you know, be there for the national title game or a Super Bowl because it's just – you're too high up. I sat there last year and it was not fun. Right. Well, the the point I was going to make is that these stadiums on a whole are not full. But out of the ones I listed, the lowest turnout was for the Outback Bowl at 46,000 and uh, the Birmingham Bowl at 47,000. That's still a chunk of people. What does it matter if bowls lack importance or lack interest? If, if, if I want to put a bowl game here in my backyard and I got two teams that want to come and I'm telling them there's nobody going to watch it but me, but I'm going to pay them to come, who cares? Yeah, I agree. You know, I, go if 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 the bowl doesn't make any money, if it's not profitable for the bowl to make money, they won't have it. Yeah. And if you got two teams that want to go, let them go. Send one in ten teams to go. Send teams that hadn't won all year. Pit two over teams so one of them can go out on a winning. I, hey, that is an idea, man. I like that. I, I like mean, the yeah. o, o and ten versus o and ten. Get out of the cellar. <laughs> and winner gets a trophy with a piece of shit emoji on it. <laughs> but, you know, I just got to thinking about that on the way home today. I'm like, what does it matter? Bowls have always been disinterested except for the absolute cream de la creme and, and particularly those bowls that have national title implications. And this was true long before we had an extra 20 bowls on the pile. Those 20 bowls they added or 30 bowls they added or whatever that number is over the years that they've added have never meant anything to those national title implications. It just allowed people to go and play and have fun and get the fans an excuse to travel to a different venue and not all of them will go. But as the numbers show, 45,000 people went to Birmingham for Pete's sake. And most of those folks live in the state. So, who cares? Just play as many bowls as you want. Add more. There's got to be a break-even number, I know, on attendance and and advertising and whatever it is. But if a, if a bowl thinks they can put it on and invite people, I don't have a problem in the world with it. Start pitting some college teams up against big high schools for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> what, Bishop Sycamore. There you go. Hoover High versus Troy. 
<laughs> you don't think it'd be packed? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially if it's in Birmingham. It'd be packed, but, you know, I just, I just, I just, I'm just not a fan of, of the continual hate about uh, watered down bowls, too many bowls. Uh, who cares? You know, if you want to play, play. And I mean, look at some of the teams that go, and and I know like Tuscaloosa, we we have a special place in our heart for Tuscaloosa. We both live there, went to college there. You still do business there and live much closer than I do. But let's be honest, man, what is there to do in Tuscaloosa? I mean, not not a whole lot. You know, you can go bowling. That bolero is pretty cool. And I'm sure they've got laser tag somewhere. I'm sure they've got a trampoline place. But think about Toledo. Think about Central Michigan. You're Central Michigan, and you get the opportunity to come to the Gator Bowl or somewhere in Florida at a tourist spot. Dude, that'd be awesome, you know? Sure, yeah. I don't care if we got 10,000 fans in the stadium. It's just going to be fun. Yeah, it's for the it's it's a reward for the players. It always has been, and you know I listened to some talk radio yesterday. We were we flew back in yesterday and had a had some time on our hands, and uh, listened to Sal- Barrett Salee and Danny Cannell. And Danny Cannell is one of the ones that you're mentioning that he he's against the Bulls, and Barrett Salee is against the expansion of the playoffs. He's like, well, he said I like 16 better than 12. I like 12 better than eight. I like eight better than four, but I like two better than any of them. And he brings up a good point. Think about, okay, so 1998, we got the BCS, which tried to, it tried their best to pit number one versus number two. I guess, it, I guess it did. I guess they did more than try their best. I think the Bowl Coalition was what was before that, and they tried their best to pit one versus two, but the Rose Bowl would not budge. So if Ohio State was number two, and Bama was number one, and Miami was number three, you had one V3 in the Sugar Bowl, and then you had two V whatever in the Rose Bowl. But think about this year, if we were, if it was 30 years ago, or gosh, 30, 98, 08, 18, you know, more like probably 35 years ago, all right, you'd had Bama in the Sugar Bowl, number one seed. You got to think that all we'd have to do was, would be win, correct? Yes. To, to win the national title. That's correct. You'd have Michigan at number two in the Rose Bowl. They would yep. need to win to have an argument. You, I don't know where Cincinnati would have gone. Um, Georgia. Probably been, where, they'd have Georgia probably, probably in the tax slayer bowl. Yeah, Georgia probably goes to the Orange Bowl. Well, I mean, I, you, you, know, you, you hear me chuckle about that, but uh, back before they actually started pitting teams together, it didn't matter how high Cincinnati was ranked. If they didn't feel like they could bring 50,000 fans to the stadium, yeah. then they were not getting that big-tier bowl because they weren't locked into anything. They were going to get what they got. They were going to be the BYU going to uh, – what did BYU – I think it's the, a holiday bowl. Yeah, they, they played UAB this year, right? They oh, were ranked number twelve in the country, <laughs> yeah. and they played was, UAB. Oh, it was at Shreveport. Yeah, Shreveport. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's what that's what they would have got. I mean, people think that's absurd because a lot of people hadn't lived with it through those days, but that's exactly what would have went on. Cincinnati would have been relegated because they have had no bowl tie-ins at all. They would have been relegated to a bowl that needed an opponent for somebody that was tied in, but. Mm-hmm felt like they could bring money to the table. But if you want excitement, that was excitement back then because which the Orange Bowl kicked off late and so did the Sugar Bowl. Uh, the Rose Bowl has its 
three o'clock slot or whatever time it kicks off central. I think maybe four, maybe four central. So, you know, Sugar Bowl kicks off at eight central and the Rose Bowl kicks off at four. Michigan's number two. And, dude, if they win, the pressure goes squarely on Alabama because if Bama loses the Sugar Bowl, then Michigan's your national champions. So it was it was it was awesome. I mean, New Year's Day was was I don't know up if it there. Was awesome, probably. I mean, would... you're correct. You're correct in what you just said, but it wasn't awesome. No reason. I mean, it had a lot of intensity to it, but it wasn't awesome because what if they both won? That's what. That's the scuttlebutt. Yeah, it, it was. And well, I mean, my point was this: I'm not advocating to go back to two, but it was. I like where we're at now with the playoffs and the expansion is inevitable. I don't really care, dude. Bama won in the poll era when you just voted. We we won when you voted before the bowls. We won when you voted after the bowls. We won in the BCS era. <laughs> we won. We have won in the playoff era. So whatever you want to do, as long as we got Nick Saban, which hey, by the way, 15 years ago today is when he landed in Tuscaloosa. How about that? You know that's a that's a good point that I've never thought about before, though. Um, how about are there any other teams that have won a national championship in each of the title game errors? Well, you can kick Notre Dame out because their last title was in the just the poll era, well, 80, 88. Uh, Penn State was 86. Ohio State would have, would have a, a probably so because they've won it in the playoff era and the BCS. And then did they win one in the BCS? Yeah, they won in two thousand and. Um, oh, that's when they played. Uh, they played Miami. Miami. Yeah, yeah. they won in two thousand one. I guess yeah, it was two thousand one. LSU may have done it. Yeah, they only yeah. have three. They had that one old one, but that, that it got them in there. Yeah, the, you're right. That's that's it's uh, just a handful of teams, but. I agree. More bowls is not bad. I'm I'm all for it. So let's jump into the semifinals recap. You know, tackle the Cotton Bowl first. Yeah, let me let me get after the Cotton Bowl first. If if you were listening to this podcast last week, and that's the Cotton Bowl, that's the Alabama versus Cincinnati. I went back and actually listened to it to make sure I got the quote right. And and what I said in that podcast is with their secondary, quote, I think we will need to run the ball effectively, and if that's what they're going to give you, we'll just need Ryan Robinson to run the ball all day long. And that's exactly what happened. Freaking Nostradamus over I don't here. want to toot my own horn, but that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a little bit of a, a free play there. But, I mean, their they're, they're secondary uh, still, even after the game, was as good as advertised. Yeah. The, the, the yardage that we picked up from uh, Williams and Brooks and a little bit from our other guys – were typically not when they were in coverage versus their two premium yeah, corners. For sure. Uh, that, those corners, and that might have been a mistake on Cincinnati. That may be just the way they play, but I, I don't I don't think I'd call it a mistake. But the I guess point I was making is they didn't flip-flop. You know, some teams will take their best corners and 
they'll stay in the huddle until they see the best receiver come out, and then they'll send him that way. That's mm-hmm. not what they did. And if you got two good ones like they do, you don't really have to do that. But but they kind of stayed on their side of the field, and, and, and that allowed us, I think, to game plan around them some to get the slot guys open or, or run some motions where – they weren't in coverage when we hit some of our guys. So so I, we were effective uh, in the passing game. But, you know, for the season, we were running it and throwing it almost on a 50-50 ratio. And that's where Saban likes to be. He wants you always guessing. And for this particular game, we had a much higher skewed percentage of running the ball than we did passing the ball. I think we run it like 44 times and only attempted maybe 26 passes or something something similar to that. I didn't, I didn't take note of the exact numbers. But, um, you know, the passing game, although it wasn't as prolific, if you say, he still threw for three touchdowns. He did have the one interception. But the uh, the rushing yards were definitely the difference in this game, and and the other difference in the game was, was our defense versus their offense. We we talked about that a little bit last week too, and I think um, uh, they were just completely outmanned on that side of the ball. Cincinnati got to the playoff on the strength of their defense, and it showed. But their offense is not an elite level offense. Um. We sacked them six times. They only had 74 yards rushing and, and only amounted to a little over 200 total yards for the game. That's a, that's a – Way that's, under their average. Yeah, that's a yardage total we would expect from somebody like Notre Dame in the playoffs, not necessarily Cincinnati. So th- they've got to be really disappointed in that. Yeah, I'm, it, I'll cover the, the cornerbacks first. You know, of course, I was there and – uh, I, I let the Cincinnati fans uh, know my feelings of their program after the game. <laughs> Trust me. Misty was staying about 10 feet behind me. She says, I didn't want to get hit if you got hit. And if you got hit, I was hoping I could uh, rush to you and defend your honor. <laughs> but, Side note for you listeners, Tiffin is traditionally not a person you want to go to the game with as if, <laughs> if he's really um, sore with the other side. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, you know, dude, Texas Live, I know I've spoken about it because we went there last year. It is just phenomenal. It's, it's what, if you had the vision, if we'd had the vision to build one of those in Tuscaloosa, we would shut the strip down on Saturdays because it's, it's one-stop shopping. They have mechanical bull upstairs. They've got restaurants in there. They've got different bars. They are pay according to our waiter. You can, I tell you what you cannot do in Texas Live. You cannot get a Michelob Ultra. You cannot get a Bud Light, which that, that's a good thing. But they can't. You can't get an Ultra, and which I'm fine. I'm, I'm a Coors Light man for the most part. And but Misty's like Ultra and Patrick, my buddy from Red Bay that was from California that flew out and he wanted an Ultra, and they're like, yeah, we we're paid to not sell that here, and so that was an interesting comment from our waiter, and we finally got it out of we're like what how much do you, how much they pay he said well i've heard they pay this business two million dollars a year not to serve ultra how about that <laughs> it's wild man that's selling a lot of beer yes it is but uh they're they're straight miller uh products on their alcohol and um but dude texas live was 50 to 1 cincinnati fans I, and i, I i'm 
I'm trying not. I'll go 25 to one, which is still tremendous. But dude, they were so loud when they played. That the DJ kicked on at noon, and it was just. Of course, I asked a guy. I'm like, "What is your song? Like, what song are you known for?" I said, "Like, if if it, if we're playing Ohio State, the DJ coming here and he'd play Hang On Sloopy because that's their song." And I said, "For us, he's going to play Sweet Home Alabama, and then he'll play Dixieland Delight." And he's like, the guy said, well, it's a new song. Pump it up. But it's a, it, like it's brand new. I mean, I, it's like this year this year old or 2021 old. And, of course, the DJ comes on. He cranks up. I don't remember what song he played first, but what he played second. in the sound system, you could ima- imagine. I mean, it's like being in a, in a sports book in Vegas, the sound system in that place. He cranks up Rush, Tom Sawyer. And, dude, you know how that, you know how that song starts off. I mean, oh, yeah. immediately the crowd is just getting into it. Then he plays their song. And, of course, they're, they're bumping around, doing whatever the chants are. Well, then he plays a little bit of Sweet Home and rolls into uh, Dixieland Delight. There's so many Cincinnati fans in there, we cannot even sing Dixieland Delight. We can't sing our alternate lyrics. <laughs> you can't hear us. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I feel like I'm getting all over the place. But I, I let the Cincinnati fans know that this was not the AAC. I let them know that we are not Notre Dame. <laughs> and I let them know that we're not Houston in, in some eloquent terms. And some of them were like, okay, thank you. And some of them were – I said some stuff I can't sell on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, back to the point. The, the, they were a little chirpy. They're like, hey, you know, y'all didn't throw on our uh, defensive backs any. I'm like, yeah, you know why? Because we're smart. <laughs> why are we going to try to throw – like your defensive backs are legit. I mean, Sauce Gardner is number two behind Derek Stingley Jr. And the fact that Stingley Jr. has opted out a year and – I mean, I don't know if I don't take Sauce over Stingley Jr. It's 1A, 1B. And, yeah, we're going to do what we had to, to win the game. We're in the playoffs. Why – you don't have to – you don't have to impress anybody. You're, you're already there. It doesn't matter if you win by one or 21. You're good. You're moving on to the next round, which brings me to Travis Kelsey's tweet. Did you see his tweet? I did. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're in the NFL. You understand fully about playoffs. And, and NFL is even – you can win every game by one point, and it doesn't matter because they have a, a plan, a, a structure in place that, you know, if you're a division winner, if you're the wild card, and then you're playing for home field advantage, and then when you get in the playoffs, 21 to 20 – you win twenty-one to twenty-three or four straight weeks, and you're you're world champions. You know you're Super Bowl champions. So for him to say that he wasn't impressed, well, what? You mean, that's what blows my mind. And then some media members jumped on it too. We beat the number four team, twenty-seven to six. We did not allow the number four team in the country to get in the end zone. The number twenty-four team, the number four team in the country, lost to the number one team in the country by by twenty-one points by three touchdowns. Okay, I was watching the game today about uh, when I got home from work, and with 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was 17-6, to six, okay? 17-6. to six. Now, let me ask you, Tom, at any point in the game were you afraid we were going to lose that game? Mm, not after the first quarter. No. I mean, at no point did I think we were going to lose that game. So, Travis Kelsey and other media members that you're not impressed, well, sorry. Well, you know, I'm sorry you're not entertained. We're here to try to win a title. We're going to try to keep kids healthy. 
and we whipped your ass the way that best fit us for that day. And if you want to line it up next week and you want to go one-on-one and say, oh, by gosh, we'll stop the run this time, then Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, will torch you. Trust me when I tell you he will torch you. You didn't belong. You don't belong this year. You won't belong next year. End of rant. (laughs) I hope you uh, handed out our podcast link to a bunch of Cincinnati guys. I'm not targeting. Your targeting was mentioned a handful of times. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, now, you know what else I did after I, I went back and listened to the Cotton Bowl podcast? I went back and listened to the Orange Bowl podcast. And I quote, after you had mentioned that you thought Michigan was going to handle Georgia, I quote, <laughs> I don't think this game will be close. I think Georgia wins by three touchdowns. <laughs> I said that or you said that? That's what I said okay. in rebuttal to your Michigan pick. <laughs> I rebutted that pick. And and I'm, I'll just go ahead and tell you, Michigan was very similar to Cincinnati in that neither of those teams were prepared or ready to face – an SEC squad of this caliber. And I think it just goes to show that these two teams are – I don't think there's any argument out there from anybody. I had not seen anybody make any kind of argument whatsoever that these two aren't the best teams in the country. They may not want to see them play next week because they're both in the SEC, but nobody is disputing that these two teams are not the best team in the country. And Michigan found out firsthand – what it was like to play. And, and they've not been in that, that situation before. Ohio State, even though they got hammered by Michigan, would have made a better game there Absolutely. just because yeah. I think they have, you know, they have the wherewithal. They've been there before. They have more offense. But, you know, I mentioned that last week. I'm like, you know, Michigan is one-dimensional. I mean, they are, they're good at that dimension, they play defense and run the ball. Well, guess what? Georgia plays defense and stops people who run the ball, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Uh, Michigan, I think. Let's see here. Where 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 was their yardage? They only had uh, ninety one total yards rushing. Michigan. Mm-hmm. They were top ten rushing team in the country. They managed ninety one yards on the ground, and the quarterback had twenty four of those. Their leading rusher. For the year, they're they're all everything running back. Haskins had 39 yards on the ground. You're just not running the ball against Georgia. I I hyped that up before we played them in the SEC championship game. I was like, don't even try it. I was like, your foot, you're gonna beat your head against the wall if you think you'll try that. And to Michigan's credit, now they 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 typically run about 60 percent of the time. They only run the ball about 40 percent of the time in that game. And of course, the score dictated some of that. But they just did not have the team to compete with Georgia, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And I say on the offensive side of the ball, heck, Georgia became the first team in the playoff uh, bowl history to score on the first, what, five or six possessions. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't, they really didn't punt in the first half. They scored on every possession. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you the one thing that, that really – that that really showed the discrepancy between the two teams. There, Georgia was up in that game seventeen to nothing, and Michigan went down, had a little drive, 
got stopped down there close to the red zone, ended up kicking a field goal, and it was good. They cut it to 17-3. to All right, this, these are Michigan's drives after cutting it to a, a two-score game there. Uh, I think that was in the second quarter. They went three plays and punt, interception, interception, fumble, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. That was their next six possessions. <laughs> so that, that that game got out of control early. Uh, wouldn't really a surprise <laughs> to all I was, of us. I was trying to speak. I was trying to speak it into existence, Tom. <laughs> I know you were. I, did, I said the work. same thing. I would have rather played Michigan, and that's the reason I would have rather played Michigan. Three plays, punt, interception, interception, fumble, downs, downs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, Did you I even get to watch that game? Uh, <laughs> why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I made it back to our hotel at uh, I went up. I, I found the Uber line. That is one thing about Dallas. You know, we we just you and I go to Vegas a lot, and dude, it's never a worry. Every hotel is a, has a cab line. So if you're out some random place on the strip and you're not at a hotel all you gotta do to catch a cab is walk to hotel like matter of fact that's the only way you're gonna catch a cab they don't you know you can't hail a cab uh, like you can in new york city on the side of the road like you have to go to a, a cab stand at a hotel every hotel has it and dude they're lined up the the bigger the hotel the more cabs they have dallas is not like that at all even so we stayed at omni last year which is in the heart of dallas is right across from that building that green uh lime green building with a light the lights down the on the edges they show every monday night football game when dallas playing right and i mean that's in the heart of dallas and you have to they might have a couple of cabs waiting but nothing like vegas arlington's even worse we got there and first thing we were going to do is go to the omni to eat best steak i've ever eaten in my life at bob's and uh in the omni and um we, I was like, can we get a cab? She's like, yeah, the only cabs, they'll just take you to the uh, the airport. That's it. It's a way to get an Uber, Lyft, and that's fine. So, anyway, after the game, you can imagine coming out of the stadium trying to find – first off, trying to find the Uber line is a, a chore in itself. So, we would go back to Texas Live, and I found the Uber line, and I, I, I got to a guy. It's like a $10 trip over there. But now you know how the adders would be after a ball game. It's probably oh, yeah. going to be 35 or 40 bucks to get back to the hotel. And I said, hey, are you – he had his flash on. I said, are you an Uber? He said, yeah. And I said, 40 bucks, take me to the Lux, off the clock. He's like, um, 50. I'm like, deal. So <laughs> I got back to the hotel in plenty of time, and we started watching the game in the hotel bar, got some dinner, and I looked at my watch, and I looked at Misty, and it was New Year's Eve. I said, hey, I'm not going to make it to midnight. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> I went in – I didn't make it to halftime of the game, so I, I don't really – I just – I know that Michigan. Once they got up, I'm like, yeah. That if it had been a game, I could have made myself stay up. But I was I was tired. And you know, Georgia did what Georgia does to teams not named Alabama. They dictated. They dictated the game. And Kirby, I think, is obvious. Kirby got Stetson Bennett to throw the ball around to try to build his confidence up, which we'll talk about in the next segment. Because you know he's thrown. I don't know how many interceptions he's thrown in his career at Georgia, but five of them have been against Alabama, and he's played us twice. He hadn't played us every year. You know, it's not like he's a, a fourth-year senior and he's seen us four times in Atlanta, and it's a, a 1.25 interceptions per game. He's seen us twice and thrown three picks and two picks. So 
that you know he's the X factor, which we'll talk about in a minute. So I mean that's really all it was. Uh, the better team won, and you know it, it, back in the BCS days, I know we've talked about a lot of things tonight, but you know if we were in the BCS, Bama won, Michigan two, we'd have played this coming. Well, I guess we'd have played on the tenth. And there would have been no semifinal game, and everybody would have already played. We'd be the last game on the menu. And is it any doubt who would have won that ball game between us and Michigan? So, yeah. you know, they, they got it right. Uh, you don't have to like it. It won't last like this forever. One year it's going to be – you know, it might be Ohio State-Michigan rematch. It might be, you know, Texas-Oklahoma uh, rematch. But you just – you want for those that don't want the two best teams. Why do you why do you watch the game? I mean, for the Super Bowl, I want to see the two best teams. And the, but the NFL is so different because you have parity, and it's not like there's no way if they want to expand the playoffs. If you let us, if you go to conference champs, and there's a conference champ that rolls in there at seven and five, I can make a few guarantees in life, and one of them is. That seven and five is not going to run three straight games against top level competition. Where in NFL you can because you're professional. You know, there's only 32 quarterbacks that start in NFL. There's only 64 cornerbacks that start in NFL. There's only 32 running backs. You know, and there's only 32 wide receiver number ones. So it's not a big. You know, when people want to look at well, the NFL. You know, Pittsburgh went nine and six back in the day, and or ten and six, and came out of the wild card. Well, good for them. They're professionals. <laughs> they, you know, you're not going to get a four loss team to run the table in college football. So if you don't want to see the best teams, why are you why are you watching the sport? Go same goes for basketball. Same goes for baseball. You know, I, I want to see the best teams, and we've got them. So let's use that to roll into the national title preview. Uh, it's, you know, Georgia's favored by three, and I, I don't think that's unfair, you know. I, it would be very interesting to see if we had not lost Mechie what they what the line would be. You know, would does Mechie, does he move the line three points to get it to a pick em? I don't, since, I don't know. Since the, you mentioned that before you get into your – get into the rest of your preview. So – I've seen this a lot, a lot of question marks, and it hurts my feelings that Georgia's favored by three, honestly. But the question must be asked, and you were you were on the verge of answering part of it there. Why is Georgia favored by three? I have my answer, and I think my answer is probably very close to being the actual correct answer. But what what do you, what are you thinking there? I hadn't really thought, man. I mean, I just think that. I don't know. I don't well, know why. I, I mean, I, it, I it has to hold. It has to be something to do with Mechie, because well, we just beat him, and we yeah, we Mechie, we had him for the half. We scored. Well, technically, after he went out, we scored seventeen points because we scored that last touchdown with Mechie out. And I just think I really think though that in my opinion, the media has gotten all enamored with Georgia again because they beat Michigan. Michigan was one of the hottest teams. They had. Oh, my gosh, I didn't even mention him. Aiden Hutchinson, what a disappointment. Dude, yeah. he got manhandled. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the SEC, bro. Yeah, try, try to get two sacks all year in the SEC like that. But So, what? Well, just go ahead and give me your answer if you'd like. Well, well I, all I was going to say is that Vegas 
Vegas has been doing this for a long time, and Vegas is not in the business of trying to predict which team's going to win. That's not what they do. They have analytics. They have numbers, and they crunch the numbers. They have a system that sets the line. Now, I'm not saying they don't have some sharp action that looks at their system numbers once they get it done, but those sharps are not going to move the line significantly one way or the other. Maybe they's like, hey, you're going to get some too much action here. You might want to you know, move it a point or so, yeah, or something yeah. like that. But at the end of the day, analytics is all that it is to, to, to create that line. And the, the, the long and short of it is when Georgia was a, what were they, four or six-point favorite over us in the SEC championship game? Yeah, I think so. They had a year's worth of data for both teams, and that's the way it crunched out. And nobody complained about that. Well, guess what? They've only got two more games of data. Obviously, there's a head-to-head, which should definitely weigh something. But in addition to that, Georgia probably, no probably about it, they played the tougher of the two matchups in the semifinal. And guess what? They look dominant again. And so when those numbers get crunched and those analytics get put on the paper, it just spits out, hey – Georgia's a three to four point favorite here, or maybe they're a four to five point favorite, and they backed it down a point or two. But they can't be swinging the analytics six points to make Alabama a favorite. They will get crushed on the other side with the sharp action, yeah, regardless sure. of where the public is. And so I, that that to me is the crux of that line. And I took too much on that. I just I'd been I seen a lot of that on Twitter. You know how how is they favorite how. That's how it goes, folks. Just you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna play the numbers, and that's what Vegas is all about—the numbers, not the heart, not the feel. And so it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm not concerned at all about it being three. Um, you know, it, it's it. I think it plays in our favor. What Tom? Who was the last team to beat us as when as a favorite? Uh, probably. Florida in 08. That's that's it. I mean, you came up with that off the top of your head. Eli asked me that question today, and I, it took me about that long to answer it because we've got so few losses. We're always favored. So when we lose, we were favored. The last two times we're underdogs was Georgia, Georgia, and we beat the crap out of them both times. So I, I don't I think it plays right into our hands, to be honest. You know, we, we want that chip on our shoulder. But I was listening to Neuheisel and the show pony this morning. And Neuheisel, I like him, dude. He's very good. You know, he has done – he does CBS Sports. He has coached at a number of places at the – you know, at the highest – at the college level, D1, you know, at, at good schools, Washington and Colorado. And he's a, he's an analyst. And I, I respect what he says. But, dude, he's had some bad takes lately. You know, he had the Indiana take, the Cincinnati – oh, well, Cincinnati got to play Indiana when we thought they were good. Yeah, that's not supposed to <laughs> – it's not supposed to matter, bro. When a team finishes 2-10, and ten, it doesn't matter when you played them. They sucked. So, today, he said they're breaking down the game. And I understand you. you they've got another four. They've Actually, they got another five days. They've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. No telling what they'll have to do over the weekend because they'll be at the game. And then Monday, they'll have a show because they have a morning show. They'll have a show Monday before the game. So, they've got to, they've got to fill a lot of airtime. 
But Neuheisel said Georgia, and I'm going to loosely quote this, Georgia needs to get ahead and they can play UGA football and they can dictate the game. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> that's what they do every time. That's, that's what they did in Atlanta. <laughs> they got up 10 nothing. I mean, they, you know, they didn't kick a field goal and get up 3 nothing, and then we scored a touchdown to go right on top. We punted and punted. It was our third possession before we scored, and it was third down on, at that. Like, if they stopped that play, we could be in a heap of trouble. But I, I think just, he used the quote from the SEC Shorts video today. Did you yeah, watch it? I saw that. that was <laughs> He's good. like, you should get out to an early lead. <laughs> <laughs> I liked He said, he said best thing is to uh, get home field advantage. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> we don't have that. And, he, and, he, and the LSU guy circles back. He says, is there no way you can get home field advantage? <laughs> oh, man, was, those guys are so good. They're good. But, you know, I, that just – I'm like, what game are you watching? What game do you expect to watch? Georgia needs to get out to an early lead. Well, I mean, they did last time. It didn't matter. Will it matter this time if they do? I don't know. You know, everybody's focused on I, – I feel like the media – is focused on the same thing they focused on last time is, well, how, how's Alabama? I mean, look at look at Georgia. Look at them all year. Then we beat them. Now they're right back to, well, look at, look at what they did to Michigan. Look at what they did to Michigan. Okay, you know, how's Bama going to score? That's the exact narrative you had, what, 31 days ago, is how's Bama going to score? You need to worry about how – Georgia's going to score on our defense. Our defense is not bad at all, as we've discussed all year. Now, Georgia's got that generational defense. You know, they've got the 2011 Bama, the 1992 Bama. But we, we're we good on defense, and we're facing a quarterback in Stetson Bennett. JT Daniels is out. I, I don't know. You know, he's already transferred. I don't know if he used the portal. Well, it, but he, he played last year, so it doesn't matter if he used the portal or not. He He's done transferring. Like, he, if he transfers, he has to sit out a year, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And he's apparently he's going to transfer because they have not played him in any of the blowouts, as we've talked about before, so I won't, ha- I won't rehash it. So, there was Stetson Bennett. They're right or dying with Stetson Bennett. And this guy here – you know, I'm, I'm going to put in one bet on the game. I've got 500 on Georgia early in the year at plus 115 to win the title. And so I'm just going to roll with that. And But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put in one more bet, and it's going to be the MVP of the game. I'm taking Stetson Bennett because, to me, that is the only answer they have to beat us is for him to go nuts. You know, I know Brock Bowers, they, they started hitting him in the second half, the tight end. And then he played really well against Michigan. What do you don't think we're going to have a different approach? I love how oh Georgia, well they're going to have a different approach this time. But yet the the things that were successful against Bama, they just act like that we're not going to work on those. You know? Yeah. So you know, you, go you, ahead. Go you ahead. You raise an excellent point on Stetson Bennett and how well he has to play. And one of the things I was looking at, I went back and analyzed the previous game uh, a pretty good bit too. Midway through the third quarter, when when Georgia and Alabama were playing in the SEC championship game, midway through the third quarter, we were up thirty-one to seventeen, and Georgia had it on our nineteen-yard line, facing a second and nine, trying to cut it to seven. So Stetson throws an interception there. I think it might have been his first one. Georgia turns right around and forces a quick punt from us. And they drove right back down the field to our 19-yard line again. 
and they end up going for it on fourth and nine instead of taking a field goal there. And that was almost at the end of the third quarter. And they, mm-hmm. they come away with zero points on those two drives. After that, they forced another quick punt from Alabama, and that's when Bennett threw the pick six to make it the 21-point game. So they had three consecutive possessions there, two of them that were in the Alabama red zone and one that was a pick six that Bennett kind of fell apart on there in three possessions. But even if they don't score touchdowns and he just protects the ball there, that game's a much different game if it's, I mean, obviously the score dictates it, but if it's 31-23 to 23 there at the end of the third quarter instead of 38-21 to 20, or 38-17 to 17 there at the fourth, that's a completely different game. Absolutely. And that is all on Bennett's shoulders there. So, you know, and, and here's, here's the bad part for Alabama. He still threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns in that game. Had a better completion percentage than Bryce Young did. Obviously didn't outplay him because of those two interceptions. But if he didn't throw those two interceptions, then that's a game down to the wire. Bennett, I I mean, those are great numbers, particularly against our defense. So, you know, we've got to be concerned with that, obviously. Yeah, I know yeah. it cut you off. I've got no. Go ahead. You, I, I, mean, I just that's, thought I'd jump in there with the Bennett stuff since you were talking about him. Well, and that's really that's really all that all that I've got to say. And you know, Georgia—they are the more talented team on defense, hundred percent. Okay, offense—I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're more talented than us because they're they're more talented at the tight end position. I think the offensive lines are more probably. Well, I would give them the edge based on we're not consistent. But now, in if if the okay, let's put it this way: if the Bama offensive line shows up the same one that showed up against Georgia in December, we're fine. We're you know then then offensive lines are wash. Running backs, I'm going to give them the edge based on health. If we had Roy Dell and um, uh, name escapes me that uh, towards ACL earlier in the year, Jace McClellan. If we have those two, I, I would. Say coin flip, maybe edge Bama. I don't know. They've got some good running backs. There's no doubt about it. Receivers definitely uh, a chip in our purse, even even with an injury, because they've only got uh, they got McConkey. He's a receiver, and then they have uh, George Pickens, who's coming off an injury. I just I like us better there. Quarterback big advantage us. So I just feel like I feel like they're going to have to protect Stetson early. Kirby cannot. I mean, Tom, think about it this way: uh, we come out, we that we lose the toss or whatever. We we receive the ball first, and let's just say we we run our script and it works magically. We go up seven nothing, and we kick off goes to the back of the end zone. They get the ball in the twenty five. If Stetson Bennett throws a pick six, dude, they're done. They're they're done because he's gonna he's gonna wash out of the game. You know. So, yeah, I, I think we have to – we definitely need to get him rattled and get in his head. We don't need him to go in there and start picking up some of those 50-50 balls and all of a sudden they've, they've, they've made some yardage they shouldn't have and, and they get down there and they, they're scoring at will. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, talked about Stetson Bennett. I think this, man, this game is going to be a, a huge chess match for both of the coaching staffs. Both of them. I mean, they both laid their 
playbook's bare in the SEC championship game, and Alabama did something in that game that they hadn't done all year. You know, we were not balanced at that game. And I was pre- preaching for that, if you remember. I was like, mm-hmm. do yeah. not run the ball. Just throw it every down. I mean, <laughs> it's impractical to do it every down, I know. But still, we did we, – we, we threw the ball like 65% of the time in that game – and we'd never do that. You know, we were well-balanced, but we knew that we had to do that in that game. Well, Georgia's seen that. They've seen it. And they have, like you mentioned, an elite defense. They absolutely do. And they've always been able to stop the run all year. They just stopped probably the – it could be, you know, the best Russian offense in the country in Michigan. Sometimes those – I know they're in the top ten, but – if you want to count Western Kentucky or whoever it is, yeah. bit, you know what I'm saying. So, so they have just shut down one of the better run defense. It's impractical for us to think, all right, we threw it on them last time. We're going to trick them this time. We're going to run it all day. Yeah. That ain't, <laughs> the best thing, honestly, that happened to us is that we run it, run it, run it, run it against Cincinnati and Georgia had their way with Michigan, our game plan is going to be completely different again against Georgia than it was for Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. And I I think we're going to have to pretty much do the same thing we do, put it on Bryce Young's shoulders and have him throw it. Now, you already mentioned it, Mitchie's out. He wasn't out for the SEC championship game. He was an integral part of that game. He had like seven catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown in that game. Mm -hmm. So big, big... Uh, loss there. Now, one thing that we saw in that SEC title game, and you just mentioned it here, and you've mentioned it several times, that our offensive line looked great. Well, they did. Uh, And we all noticed that a lot of what we did was run a lot of hurry up to keep those big uglies they have on that defensive line that are not used to pass rush. We kept them on the field, even though we weren't running the ball. That was a big, big game plan you know they're going to try to scheme against that. The other thing they're going to try to scheme against, and this is this was a surprising stat. When Alabama played Cincinnati this past weekend, Cincinnati had three sacks against Auburn. Auburn had seven sacks. Arkansas had four sacks. LSU had four sacks against us. Those are the last uh, four games I went back and looked at. I, I discounted the... Uh, didn't even look at the one where we played the double-A squad. Yeah. Georgia had zero. Zero. That was, that's completely scheme. You're not taking any of those defenses on that list I just listed over Georgia's defense. No. So you know that defensively they are coming with a completely different scheme, whether that's rushing linebackers, whether it's keeping the big guys off the field more and playing more of their pass defense more often, there's going to be a, a, a much different scheme going there. And I think we're going to have to be prepared to, to, to do something differently offensively to combat that. I think we're going to – you're going to see a lot of screens probably, a lot of the quick passes out to the wide receiver like we like to throw – and if you're throwing those wide passes out there to try to act as a running game because they're bringing those blitzes up the middle, then they're going to have to eat their cornerbacks up to press coverage. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have to have Bryce Young make a play under duress. And the, the and, and I say under duress, the offensive line is going to have to do a better job of keeping people 
off of Bryce. I mean, even against Cincinnati, he was pressured all game long. He give they got four sacks, but even when he wasn't being sacked, he did not look like he had no. many opportunities to just sit in the pocket and find an open receiver. And, and Georgia's going to bring a similar scheme. I mean, they're they're going to. It's 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 open season now. You've got one shot at it. You've got to throw everything you got, and they're not going to sit there and run the same defense they run against us in championship games. It's just not going to happen. So. It's going to be very interesting, and I think it's going to be a serious chess match between our coaching staff and theirs, and that's probably where the keys to this game lies. I don't think it's going to be Jimmy and Joe's in this game. I think it's going to be scheme. Yeah, you make good points for sure. And I've got two keys to the game. I've covered covered them for the most part already. One is when we played them in December – Brian Robinson was not healthy. It, it was – I didn't think he was going to play. He played. He did adequate. You know, he had one, like, 15-yard run. But he was in there mainly for pass pro because we, I guess, we went max protect a, a few times more than we were used to. Or maybe it's not called max protect. But, you know, five linemen, uh, a tight end with a chip, and then and then the, uh, the running back picking up the blitz. So, he's healthy now. So he, he, he doesn't have to be relegated to that. Maybe he can slip out of the backfield. And he's got to be playing with a ton of confidence right now. So I think B-Rob being healthy is big. And I, I really think that we have the, the better of the two quarterbacks. I mean, Stetson Bennett, I understand what you're saying about his yardage that he threw for against us. But you got to think, it was 38-17. to 17, It was time to get out of there as healthy as we could. We were given ground for, for clock. So – you know, he's he's not a terrible quarterback, but he's not – if he wins the national title, Tom, he will be the, the least athletic quarterback to win it. I would I don't know that I wouldn't take Jake Coker over him, over Ben. Now, I understand Bennett can run, get out of the pocket, and hurt you with his legs more. But I'm not sure that Coker's not as good, if not better, passer than him and, and as good, if not better, leader. So, by far, it will be the less – quarterback to win the, the national title in a long while. So uh, I've got I've got Bama winning. I've got us uh, Bama 38 and Georgia 34. I think it's going to be closer, and I think it's going to shatter the over-under. But I, I we scored 41 against them the first time. I think we can get close to that again. So I'm going to go Bama 38, Georgia 34. I went back and looked again because I brought up this point a couple weeks ago about rematches in bowl games. It's been there's been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times since 2007 there was a rematch from regular season into the bowl games, uh, including the BCS championship. It was in 2007, the last time that the team that won the regular season game also won the bowl game, and that came against a game that Purdue won 45-22 to in regular season and kicked a last-second field goal uh, to, to beat Central Michigan in the bowl game. So it was almost almost 12 for 12, or however how many I said there, 5, mm-hmm. eight, 8 for 8. Um, I did dig a little deeper, though, and because I, I, I got to thinking about something – Instead of bowl games, and this is probably a better gauge, in bowl games, you've got mismatched teams. Some teams are playing for something. Some teams aren't. But I, I got to thinking about it. 
There are also rematches that occur in conference title games. Those games have a lot on the line. Those games, when you're at a comp- playing for the conference championship, you're actually playing for something. Pac-12, the team that won... Now, this is this is stats from 2019, and of course, conference title games have only been in existence for 20 years, maybe. Since 90s, SEC was the first, so I guess 30 years. So... Pac-12, the team that won, there were been six rematches from regular season to conference title of the game, five and one in the favorite. ACC, two and two. The Big Ten has only happened twice, and the team that won the regular season lost both times. SEC, you want to take a stab at this one? Uh, Seven times it's happened. Three and four and three. Five and two. Last one was Georgia-Auburn, when Auburn beat both Alabama and Georgia is number one and then lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game. So flip-flop there. That was one of the two losses. But the favorite has won five times. That bodes better than us than the eight bowl games in a row. <laughs> but, you know, with that being said, it's still not a, a warm and fuzzy feeling when we're an underdog in this role because if you want to if you want to say Vegas experience expects and that's not what i want to say because i've already talked about the analytics of it but the analytics point to georgia having the better team uh so still warm and fuzzy i think that this game will definitely be just like you said closer than the original game and i don't think we score as much this time out mainly for the reasons that I just talked about. You mentioned that we scored 41 and you expect us to get close again. I don't think that's the case. I think the scheme that Georgia throws at us will be much, much different. But I do think that our defense is playing as well as they've played all year. I know Cincinnati wasn't the best offensive team to judge that against, but we just judged them against Georgia a few weeks ago as well. And whether or not we did a a poor job offensively against Auburn, they played well against Auburn. They kept us in that game. They're playing well. Will Anderson's playing well. And we'll need an excellent outing from them in this game to to have an opportunity. If if we start giving up 50-50 balls left and right, this game will not go our way. But I have us winning 27-24. Yeah, there you go, Tom. Got us in a close one. Well, you got a you got a three point game. I got a four point game, so we're we're right there with each other. And uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be this time next Monday. It'll be the kick. It'll be what is it? Eight o'clock kick? I guess I'm sure they're gonna. Uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna dictate. They're gonna let California dictate the game time when they're not even gonna watch the game because it's it's two teams east of the Mississippi River, but whatever. Yeah. I think it's 7 Central, right? But they yeah, probably won't so. kick I don't, 720 yeah. or something yeah. like that. I but. hope you're right. So we'll be – so Bama will be up by 8.07 p.m. I'll say we'll be up 7 to 3 at this point. You know, we'll see. I sure hope you're right. But, <laughs> all right, well, hey, it's been, a, it's been a great season. I guess we will pro- – I'm sure win or lose, we will put something together uh, next Tuesday, and that will – that will close out the weekly, and I'm sure we'll get into I'm not charging, you're charging at some point in March. And uh, go from March? I, I expect, late, late January. I expected a better uh, – there you go. I was, I was expecting a better response from you than that. So. <laughs> but, Tom, as always, 
If you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, guys. Let's all pull the same direction. Take it easy.